Sorry, we're closed. Get this party started. Welcome back. Another episode. Sorry, we're closed. Uh, you know, we do have. We start the show off with a bit, a bit of sad news. Uh, we are losing our longtime and only producer of the show in Miranda. Miranda reached out to me on Twitter now years ago when I first started the podcast in 2020. I believe August 2020 was my first episode, and she uh, we had decided to do this show. I remember recording it in the in Green Rock when we were still closed. My then girlfriend at the time was sleeping on the Green Rock floor, which was interesting. And I still have that video. It's the only video that I've saved of the podcast. Uh, like when I need to free up space, it's the only one I don't delete. So, um. As they would say on your uh, one of your favorite TV shows, Sean, happy trails to to Miranda. Happy trails, Miranda. Thank you for your work. Uh, she will be with us. Happy trails. Yes, um, she will be with us, and uh, at least for another. Two, oh no, at most for another two weeks. Uh, she has a job at ESPN, and it's keeping her quite busy. So, uh, which is which is great news for her. Uh, ESPN is definitely a much better gig than Sorry We're Closed, at least for the time being. <laughs> for now. For now. Wait till you see us soon. <laughs> but, um, so we'll be on the look for uh, a replacement producer. But again, uh, a great almost three years of work out of Miranda. The podcast would not be where it is. Even though it's a small podcast, uh, it certainly would not be where it is without her. So very appreciative of her uh, and her work uh, and on Sorry We're Closed. So happy trails. If I had a soundboard, I'd, I'd do like a clapping one right now, but I don't. So um, getting into this week's show, getting into this week's show. Sorry, we're closed. I named this podcast, Sean. I just tweeted it out. I don't know if you see, saw the tweet. But I just tweeted it out saying that I named this podcast Interest Rates and Hangxiety. How, what do they have in common? Now, I got to tell you, Sean, as is most cases with me, I have no idea what they might have in common, but we're going to find something. That's what I am. I am. That's what we're certain. digging at today. That's what we're going to be digging at. You, I remember. So the reason, the the genesis of of why I'm bringing anxiety onto the podcast is because uh, in my recent trip to Miami, I have, I as you guys know, I've I've, I've posted about quite a bit uh, my workout streak uh, and how I do that. I actually was, I uh, just was on the 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 Carabas Pod, the Name Redacted Podcast yesterday. And they asked me about my streak and how is that possible? You're not taking any rest days. Jared, uh, for one, is a big workout guy and uh, doesn't you know quite into fitness himself. So he was curious as to how I was doing it. I then proclaimed uh, how it's nice to live with a former Lakers strength coach and Sean. <laughs> and you you learn things. There are certain things you can do that keep your body into recovery, keeping your body in recovery uh, while also still theoretically getting your workout goal. Uh, for the day is something that I've learned how to do. I remember in baseball it was uh, the 30-minute walk uh, with your heart rate between 130 and 150 uh, at that 15-degree 15, 15, uh, incline. Yep. So I, yeah, I remember that. That was, a, that was a big one. I haven't done that quite in a while. I like to walk outside more. But anyway, the Sunday that I was in Miami, I drank. I, I decided that was the day that I was going to have some fun and let it loose a little bit, have, some, have, some, have a lot of cocktails. And uh, middle of the day on Monday, I got anxiety. And for those of you who are drinkers, know that feeling. You might not be anxious about anything. You might remember the whole night like I did. There was no no blackout in for that particular Sunday or anything like that. And I knew I didn't do anything embarrassing. I went home actually at a, a th- fairly reasonable time for Miami. And uh, but like the anxiety, it's almost like you get a- anxiety and anxious for no reason. And and with for, for myself. Something that I actually just posted about this on LinkedIn this morning. Uh, I'm a big planner, so like when I have anxiety, let's say, you know, recently tax season's coming up. You know, I want to make sure I had enough money to pay my taxes, and because the way I take get money is not, you know, taxes aren't immediately taken out like they are for W two workers. So I have to put money off to the side, and every 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 month that I get distributions from my my businesses, put money off to the side to pay my bills. Sean Sean's the same way. So, you know, 
I had a little bit of anxiety about that. So I sat down the next morning and I went over my personal finances, figured out about ballpark where I thought my taxes might be and made a plan to make sure I had that. I did have it, which was nice, but my anxiety went away. I need a plan. I'm a big planner. So when you have anxiety that you don't know how to get rid of because there is nothing you're anxious about, theoretically, it's a real mind fuck. And you're sitting there no, with no real way. Sean, I talked to Sean about this when I was home, just kind of anecdotally, not even asking Sean for help. And Sean was like, hey, listen, I know of a way to get rid of that. And he, he actually hasn't told me, so you know, he saved it for the podcast. But interestingly enough, like he said, almost fairly immediately. So I'm very curious to hear his thoughts on that. And then the other thing that brought it up, interest rates. I just got an email right before the podcast which brought this up. Uh, American Express high yield interest, uh, high yield uh, savings account, which I suggest everyone keeps their cash in that and keeps very small amounts in a checking or anything like that. That's not doing you any good. The uh, high interest um, account is now at three point seven five percent, and I thought that was an interesting thought. Right, it makes you feel like you're doing more with your money. Right, gives me good, gives me like a good feeling that I'm working, um, my money's being put to good use. But if you have a uh, financial literacy in, in any any way. You understand that any time that the interest rates are this high in your high yield, it's because inflation is through the roof and you're still losing money, theoretically, or losing buying power, I should say. So, like, that's kind of like a mind fuck. Like, oh, yeah, I'm really putting my money to good use. You know, I got X amount coming in each month without doing anything. But in reality, it's because the financial markets are kind of in disarray and your interest rates are through the roof. And it's actually, and you're, not in great, you're not in great economic times when that's happening. So you feel better on one end, but then if you look more closely, it's you know counterintuitive. So we're going to find out if the, either of those things have anything in common. And I promise you, at the end of this podcast, we will have found something. So, Sean, <laughs> let's quickly start with anxiety. And I'm curious to hear, what is this trick you have to get rid of that? So... Yeah, I mean, if you have if you have anxiety, if you're like in the middle of a panic attack, uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna guarantee it because I feel like I might be held liable for that. But I will come just short of that and know that if you were talking to me as a friend, I would guarantee it. <laughs> um, so here's what's 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 happening inside of the body. Like, would you have to? I think the first thing that you've got to understand is when you are experiencing that anxiety, that like, like anxiousness and you almost like, and I've, and I've had it too, where it's just like, you almost feel yourself like working yourself up into a, a panic. Uh, and it's like, it's like building uh, inside of you. And it's just like growing and it like almost feels like a runaway train that there's nothing that you can do about it. I think the first, the first thing to just kind of wrap your head around is the fact that this is just chemicals <laughs> just running amok inside of the inside of the body, right? It's just like some sort of reaction. Uh, we're just we're just talking about like drops of this and drops of that causing this causing this you know mayhem panic situation. Uh, and most of the time, what happens a byproduct of that stress and that panic is your body starts lowering its resistance to carbon dioxide. Not really important for you to understand why, just to understand that that is the thing that's happening. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Let's, let's, let's make sure we're, we're, we're talking about this. So you're saying it lowers what your resistance to carbon dioxide? Yeah, so, so basically what happens, so if, 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 for the listeners out there, if you want to do a little, a little test, what you do is you you take a, you know take a deep breath in, take a deep breath out, and after you exhale, just pause and don't don't do anything, right? So you'll just go for a couple seconds. I guess Patty's doing it, so we'll let him roll. And you know maybe after fifteen seconds, twenty seconds, you start feeling a little bit of like a panic, like a little bit of an urge to breathe. Uh, and whenever that, yeah, okay, go ahead and inhale again. <laughs> Uh, and what's happening there. So like that urge to breathe, most people recognize that as uh, like, I need to get more oxygen into my system, but that's not actually what's happening. Uh, it is your body's like the carbon dioxide levels inside of your body is building up. And that is what is agitating the system. So as that carbon dioxide builds up in the system and you, you subsequently have low resistance 
to that carbon dioxide, it creates this super agitated, stressful state inside of the body. So what you do is you go through a couple rounds, doesn't it, you can, you can do it without anybody noticing. Uh, do a couple rounds of trying to push out how long it takes before you have to inhale again. So if I inhale, so I take a couple breaths in, you know, three good breaths even, and then I wait. You know, if you're in an anxious state, you may only be able to push it for nine seconds, 10 seconds or something like that before you have to inhale again. So what I would recommend is just push it to 12, push it to 15, and then take a controlled breath in, take a couple breaths, get your breath back, and then do it again, try to hit 20, try to hit 30. What's gonna happen is you're gonna, you'll, you'll legitimately feel yourself break through a wall. It's like almost like you crest over a mountain where it's like, this is really hard and this is actually making it worse, which obviously, because we're pushing the limits of your carbon dioxide resistance. But if you understand that it's just chemicals, and you understand that we are going to just push past that little wall and that chemical, that chemical resistance on the other side is complete relaxation. And it happens literally in a snap of a finger when you get through, you know, a certain threshold of, of that resistance. And you basically send the message to the body and the brain that, hey, everything's fine here. You can shut the hell up. This carbon dioxide is not a problem. And then everything it, like it, it's like a let's you like it's like you let the let the air out of a tire. It's pretty wild. That is pretty wild. Could you have saved my baseball career if you fucking knew this then? I did know it then. Well, thanks a lot, Dick. Well, first of all, I I, I did <laughs> I, I I didn't know I didn't know that that was that was how you were feeling. But at the same time, there is you know there's a lot at play here. And from a baseball standpoint, I remember you you said you said this about the guy that that uh, Boris hooked you up with, where it was like. The only time you try to control your breathing is when you are in like a panic state. So the act of you trying to control your breathing leads you to panicking more. So like if you're on the mound and, you know, trying to like, you know, push out your push out your retention <laughs> time out and, yeah, and, your retention and hold phases. my breath. Yeah. If you're uh, if you're doing that, I've actually seen I've actually seen this is crazy. I've actually seen Zach Grinky sit Indian style, Native American style, uh, behind the, behind the pitcher, <laughs> behind the pitcher's mound, middle of the middle of an inning. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he was doing this, but I have seen that. So it does happen. Uh, and it was spring training by the way. <laughs> not, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was not a big league game, but, uh, but so, yeah. So like, yeah, when you have all of those factors at play, like if you try to do that in a game in a pressure situation, it's gonna be a lot harder for you to do that. But if you, if you sat down and did this, if you did this, and this is like that Wim Hof stuff that I that I do, this is this is just like a micro dose of it. If you did that, like you would feel like you were high, like like you literally, not, not like fully high, but like you would feel significantly different. I've had people do this and I've cured migraines with this. Uh, you can increase like range of motion, flexibility of a shoulder, of your of your lower back, of your. I mean, when 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 these signals are coming into the body, it just it it you know it, it crushes everything. It, like you, everything gets screwed up, uh, and this it just kind of like it's like turning the lights off. Like it's like hey, like we can we can kind of manipulate this thing. Yeah, well, the thing is when – I think this is might be a, a, an interesting key to the whole thing is is believing that this and knowing that this is just chemicals in your brain and it's like just like a chemical reaction of and you'd have to you know do something to to change you know that reaction like i you know think about um uh, uh like you know when people get angry when they're hungry what is it called uh hangry hanger? hangry hangry yeah. and like i look at it as as a chemical reaction that's happening with me cuz uh, you know i'm a big faster and sometimes i get agitated i start feeling like a little bit more more like not social yeah and and all this stuff and i'm sitting there i'm like why the fuck am i feeling this way and then i'm like oh it's been 21 fucking hours since i've eaten and i'm like okay it, it might be that or even sometimes it's only been 16 hours but like maybe i drank all weekend and you know body's like you know, I, you know i need something here uh so i will i'll break the fast and i'll go eat when i feel that way and it is it's crazy like you know you know 10 minutes or even a couple bites in just because you're probably your body's recognizing that you're getting giving it what it needs or what it's it's saying it needs at least, um, you know I start feeling better and I'm uh, you know so, so I'm, I am social again like I never I never understood like, like growing up when people talked about like well you must be hungry because, or like you know grab a Snickers right yeah you know I never thought of, I never understood it really and I'm like well just don't be a dick <laughs> I don't I don't understand. 
but then you start thinking about okay this is this is chemicals in your body reacting a certain way and it's making you feel this way and you know there are i'm sure there you know wim hof has a way to get through that too but you know it's it is it's interesting when you start thinking about this is in a much more scientific way you're i feel as though it's almost better for you because you instead of you being like you know i don't know how to throw a strike or i don't know you know, how I'm going to pull this off, you know, I like to just sit down and do something and, and figure out exactly how I'm going to do whatever I, I, I'm having anxiety about, but there's probably other ways scientifically to kind of get through that feeling and, and come out the other side. Well, I think the, the yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. But I think the, the, the big thing is like when you have, like there's sometimes where like anxiety and nervousness is acceptable and justified, uh, you know, and like you're going around going to a big meeting or you got a big pitch or something like this, you know, like nobody wants to feel that way, but it's okay. Like that's, that's fine. And it, that that's helpful. You know, it makes you do a better job. It makes you, you know, you know, do a little bit more due diligence so that you put together a good presentation or whatever it is that you're a little nervous about, even like on the baseball field, like you, you know, you want to do a good job and that those nerves are helpful out there. You know, you see, you see some people who aren't nervous and they're freaking loose cannons out there, man. Like Antonio Brown, ain't no nerves in that guy. You know what I mean? Like no. he's all he's all set. So sometimes it's good. But where I think this stuff is really helpful is in the situations where it comes out of nowhere. And it's just like, what the hell is this? Like I've had that where I'd just be sitting down watching TV and all of a sudden I'm just getting anxious. And I'm like, what? Well, I'm having a wonderful day here. What's going on? <laughs> and And then it's just like, you know, some sort of chemical firestorm is just getting set off inside of your brain. Uh, and when you just kind of get a grasp of what it is, it's just like, yo, shut up chemicals. Uh, and you can tell that you shut up if you know, if you know how to speak the language. And in this case, the language is increasing the resistance to carbon dioxide. Let me ask you this question, Sean. Let's take it a step further. Is there, and I just mentioned it, but I didn't ask you, I'd like to ask these questions for the people at home. Is there a, a, do you, do you need to, you know how sometimes you get into certain things and if you don't believe in what you're doing, it doesn't really help. Is there a, a, a factor here in the sense of like, oh, let's get through this, this stuff, you know, is there a factor in the sense that if you do this, but don't fully actually believe this is going to work, can it just work for like a quick second and then all of a sudden you go right back to normal? Uh, no, uh, because, because if you like, just as the chemicals force you to feel that way, improving the resistance of carbon dioxide is going to force you to do it the other way. I would say the only place that like, you don't have a choice. Like if you like, it's just chemicals, like any feeling that you have is, is chemical, chemical situation going on, going on inside of your body. Uh, and if you can manipulate that, those chemical feelings, uh, the, the chemical storm, you can, you can manipulate, you basically can manipulate your entire life, which is the basis of a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, now, the only thing that if you don't have full buy-in, I will admit it is difficult, especially on your first, we call it retention, where you're like waiting to breathe in again. Uh, if you don't buy it and you're also going to be in this rattled, agitated state, you might not push past the threshold because it will get a little bit worse before it gets better. Um, and so if you, so if you, if you, if you get to the threshold, yeah, you're good. But if you don't believe in it, it might be tougher for you to get there, but yeah, it will, it will get there. It's it, still yeah. doing the same job. Yeah. There's a, there's, there's a high likelihood of somebody who's like not mentally strong, uh, you know, and they're like, and they, you know, this is like kind of out of the box for them. And they start doing this thing in this already agitated state as they start holding the breath before they inhale again, it's going to increase its agitation because the carbon dioxide's building and that's the issue that we're facing. So you're going to become more agitated. So if you don't have that strength or that, you know, belief in the system, you might be like, ah, screw this thing. Uh, and then you just might let it just run off, run off the rails. Uh, whereas if you just kind of accept it and, and, and push past that, like it is wild. It really is like letting the air out of a tire. Uh, it is very quick, very easy, very painless. Uh, and, and it works. I love that. I mean, anxiety is not as prevalent in my life as it once was. And I even really never really had it. I remember when I was, I was, went back to school. I don't remember how old I was when I went back to Monmouth for my final year, but I remember having like two, you know, friends of mine that were in group chat together about drinking on Sunday fun days and I had class on Monday, so I often you know, was a little hungover for those days. And I remember being in between classes and in my car because I booked all my classes on like as like two or three days because I didn't want it's an hour and a half south uh, for me, so I just wanted to knock out as much as I could. 
So I often just spent my time in between classes in my car and just kind of hung out, maybe did some homework, stuff like that. And I remember being in my car and texting the group chat being like, guys, I don't know why, but I'm anxious for no fucking reason. Like I have no, nothing to be anxious about. I've done all my work. I'm prepared. I'm doing good in business. Like all, everything's going well. And they just started laughing at me like, yo, you dumbass. This is the first time having anxiety. And I was like, anxiety? What the hell is that? Like, yeah, it's when you're anxious about nothing. I go, I do not like this. Uh, no, 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 no. I've dealt with anxiety. I, you know, anxiety was a big part of the back end of my baseball career. That's, I know that I'm physically capable of throwing strikes. I do, I do that. I, of course I can. I've been doing it for 25 years. I know I'm physically capable of it. I just was in my, in my dome so much that it wasn't, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't figure it out anymore. Like I just, I was so scared to not throw strikes that I just didn't do it. And it eventually ruined my career. Um, and it was it was crazy. And it even got to a point where I can I'm 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 easy easy I can say this stuff now. Even to a point where I would have like a drink and try to calm myself a little bit. And let's talk about that, Sean. Having a drink in in when in you're in, in an anxious state and it kind of calming you. Now I always let's talk about the layman's the you know the the guy with no background in this and what I was doing at the time was having a drink because one of my most relaxed states that I can think of is sitting at home with mom and dad or some close friends or what have you, listening to some Sinatra and having a glass of scotch. And what my thought process here, again, having no background in this, was the taste and the smell of the scotch, not even thinking about what alcohol is and as a depressant, but the, the taste and smell of it, it was going to kind of soothe me in a way um, and kind of get me a little bit more in that relaxed mindset and, and feeling because it was, you know, just really almost like uh, aromatherapy with, with candles. I used to, I, I'm a big candle guy, as everyone knows. I like to have candles in season that reminded me of home uh, because it kind of put me, it kind of made me, just made me happy. Like I felt like I was, you know, I didn't feel like I was home. I, I was not an ass. I'm not an idiot. I know I'm not home. But it kind of made me feel that way. So let's talk about that. Why, why did the drink at least make me feel like I'm less anxious? Uh, although I, I, you know, I probably still was. I don't know. So talk about that, John. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you are saying proper neuroscience things. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, any we have the body has five senses, and those senses pull in information in different ways. So you got smell pulls it in from smelling. Uh, you got ears, which is vibrating or your sound, which is vibrating, vibrating airwaves, uh, sight, which is vision. And we don't have to worry about the other ones, but, uh, and what happens is, is they all, each one of those, you know, eyes, nose, ears, mouth, they all have a, a way of pulling that information in and then it converts it into an electrical signal. Uh, once it's an electrical signal, it's, 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 looks at looks at it's viewed the same inside the brain so uh the light that i see and the sounds that i hear when converted to an electrical signal it's all the same so you know it goes up into once it goes to electrical signal it shoots it up to the brain for processing hey is this you know what what the heck am i looking at here uh and when it goes up to the brain and you see the smell and you you know it's it's that smell that reminds you of home it's that taste that reminds you of home uh, it's that feeling, you know, so it goes up there and like, oh, hey, this is good. I like this. So it, it sh- shoots off again. We're talking chemicals. So it shoots off some chemicals that because it's just going to react to to that situation. Now, of course, uh, the the biggest agent in there and it is going to be the alcohol that's going to, uh, you know, lessen lessen the blow of I get a good story here. Uh, it's going to lessen the blow of the you know, the anxiety that you feel. So this is, this is great. This is a great, this is a great, this is a great, uh, behind the scenes story from our professional days. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. So like what, what would ideally, what would happen is like in a training environment is like, you would want to like in comfortable States, you would want to mirror and mimic the inputs that you're getting from being on the mound. So like, 
you know, if you were, if you were like sitting at home, like drinking a scotch with your family and friends, uh, and you know, Mark was in the corner playing, take me out to the ball game uh, <laughs> on the organ. Like you'd be like, Oh, okay. And then if it's like they were playing that while you were on the mound, like that would like, that would be another like bonus in your corner. Uh, if you had, you know, Colleen handing out Cracker Jacks, you know, selling popcorns <laughs> and peanuts and like, there'd just be all these inputs that would be leading into one. So like, that's like the neuroscience perspective of it is like, can I train with the same inputs? The problem is that a lot of people find is that, is that they don't train with the same inputs. They train with their music. They train in shorts and a t-shirt and uh, they train in a quiet, comfortable weight room and with people they like. And, you know, they do a lot of the pros. They do the exercises they like. So they don't deal with a lot of that adversity. And then they get out to the mound and everything's different. And their training is almost irrelevant at that point. Uh, so like from a neuroscience perspective, we know this. So there's a guy really high up, the guy, the head of PRI. Like the guy who created is really advanced science that talks about this stuff. He flew out to Arizona to do some consulting work with our big league club. And I'm working in the big leagues uh, in, during spring training here. And, uh, and he's talking about this. And we had a guy on the team, very popular fella, Mark Trumbo. Mark Trumbo? Mark, Mike? Mike? Mark Trumbo. I think it's Mark. Uh, you know, you know, the, you know this guy, right? Yes, I do. Okay. So Trumbo, salty dude. Okay. Been around the block. Six foot five, you know, big dude likes to get after inside of the weight room. Uh, and we were we were having this conversation. <laughs> so remember the spring training. So this guy comes in and he starts talking about the science of what he should do. And his suggestion to Mark was that he go to the locker room and put on his full game uniform. And so Mark, Mark's looking at this guy like, what? I don't know about this. And so they're like, just go do it. So he goes in and he puts uniform on. He comes out and turfs. He's like, no, you got to wear cleats because that's what you wear in the game. So he goes out and he comes like, he comes like, he comes out to the weight room looking like it's picture day. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so then they're like, then they're like, okay, now we're going to put him through. <laughs> through this workout he's got his batting gloves on and he's like going through these like single leg RDL, rdls and like hat and like helmet and the whole nine <laughs> the whole nine uh and he's talking about he's doing like these push pull combos because the exercises get a little weird and, you know to begin with and eventually mark's just like i'm done with this shit i'm not doing this anymore i'm going back to a tank top and uh and uh and shorts and, and yeah and he and he eventually flipped it and so like you know from a technical standpoint it doesn't always work it doesn't always work that beautifully uh but yeah like that's that's the game that we're playing here you know we're looking at these inputs but at the end of the day like the alcohol is going to win that win that you know, is going to be the reason why you relax. Yeah, and which coincidentally as well, I remember when I was playing, the, there was a there was conversations about me taking a few drugs to 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 get to a certain point, and I ended up declining uh, because of some information I received from a bunch of different sources. Like I was wondering about, it. I was like, well, if this is going to fix me, that'd be kind of cool. But also, I don't want to like just change how my brain is wired, type of thing. Like I, I like me. And so it just it was like it was too much risk. I didn't it really I didn't I was getting towards the back end. I'm really happy I, it, this question came when I was like 27, 28, and not 21. Yeah, the 21 year old <laughs> Pat would be like, "Fucking load me up, baby. Where, where do you want to put the needle?" Um, and because you just don't care at that point, all you care about is becoming a big leaguer. And then towards the end of my career, when I was struggling and it wasn't as much fun anymore. Uh, and stuff like that, I was just like, I don't know, man. I think there's a life for me out, outside of baseball after this. And I enjoy like I, I enjoy myself, you know, so uh, I just didn't want to do it. And I ended up not doing it. And who knows what my baseball career could have been because, as you say, with alcohol, similar probably to this drug, you know, you, you know it, it's going to win probably. You know, it's going to it's going to oh, be it will win. It will win. So which is an interesting, a crazy, honestly, crazy to think about. Uh, and one of my buddies had had this issue uh you know i'm not going to mention his name but a buddy of mine in baseball had this issue um had it for a very 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 quick it was only like you know maybe three weeks he had this issue and boom went on the drug boom never had the problem again 
And it's crazy, crazy to think about. He seems the same to me. <laughs> well, if so, you remember yeah. when we were when we were in baseball, there was a huge crackdown on Adderall, uh, and guys started. You had this now, like it turned into where you had to get a TUE, like a temporary use exemption. I think it was uh, for for use of Adderall. And when I was coaching in baseball, I was like, "Holy shit! Like this stuff is." way more of a performance enhancing drug than steroids. Like if you're strong, that's nice, but you still got to be able to swing a bat. Like mm -hmm. this, mm -hmm. this, this shit is like, I remember we had a, we had, we had a, a catcher talking about this. It wasn't one of our players. It was one of like the coaches uh, who had been there. And, and, you know, he was talking about back in the day when they had the greenies and like they'd have the two pots of coffee one would have a green handle one would have a red handle typically green means decaf uh this in, in this age of the big leagues the green handle meant you were gonna be lit on fire <laughs> <laughs> and he told me he was like tell me a story of like he never did it and one day they like convinced him to do it and he said like he was the catcher for the team and he said he had never been lot more locked more locked than anything. He don't think he said he. I don't think I stood up at all. I think I remained in my squatting position for, for the entire game. He said there were times where they would call strike three, and I didn't realize I was just ready for the next pitch. And uh, like, but like, so like all of those things like go into it, and like, and then Adderall was kind of like the new age of that, and and I, people were getting a little carried away with you know, getting these prescriptions for Adderall and I have ADHD, I need it. And, uh, and it became like a thing where, you know, but yeah, so, so like the Adderall really, you know, was the thing that they cracked down on because that is such an extreme performance enhancing because it's like, it's like you get rid of all of the anxiety. I mean, I think about my own basketball career and we talk about your baseball career and we've talked about this on the podcast before, like how electric would you have been if you were out there like, where you could like clear mechanism like they had in that, in that one movie. Yeah. I would be freaking insane. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that, I mean, the thing is, and this is what's so interesting about it, even when I pitched with, for the Red Sox and I was still kind of on the downswing as far as figuring out how to th throw these damn strikes. And, you know, the thing is when you like, at least in the, when I was with the Red Sox, like playing in the big leagues, like you don't notice the people around you. So it is almost like clear the mechanism because once you get up there and you get that, you, you, you like look, you kind of lock in theoretically on the catcher. You don't really notice anything else. It's kind of fun. And I, I still wish I, you know, you know, back in my playing days, you know, the guy that was the guy that, you know, you know pitched in college. If I, that guy that my junior year in college, if I had that guy, uh, on the mound, you know, for the for the for the Boston Red Sox, you know, I think I'm a way different guy, and you know, who knows what my career could have been because at that time my my out pitch was electric, hmm. and you know, all I all I was missing was being able to throw a fucking strike with my fastball that threw it was 100 miles an hour, like it was it was it's it was you know, looking back, it was actually quite frustrating that I wasn't able to pull that off, but you know, when you have these. These drugs, and this is again, this is inside stuff. Like you know, you talk about your your stuff with Trumbo, and you talk about my stuff where being offered drugs. Like, people don't know that shit. They don't tell you, you know, on MLB trade rumors that <laughs> hey, listen, you know, Pat, yeah, Pat Light got you know got offered you know <laughs> you know hydrocoplosin jazenzoid, and don't uh, take that, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you know he accepted. So guys. He's gonna be fucking electric in two weeks. They agreed to a two-year deal. <laughs> yeah, like wait, you know, you if he's on waivers, pick that motherfucker up because those fastballs that are balls are about to be strikes, and he's gonna be unbelievable. Like that's stuff you don't see though in this world, and uh, you know people don't realize that like you're making life. You know, theoretically, if this did, let's say this drug is going to change you as a person because it's rewiring your brain or it's stopping chemicals from happening. I don't know. It's doing something to you that's pretty damn powerful you know i'm making that decision behind the scenes whether or not i want to do it me alongside with a bunch of other players because in this world even back in the day when they're taking greenies you know a lot of people it wasn't just me a lot of people can't handle you know having a little bit of failure in front of forty thousand fucking people yeah like people don't realize that that is a tremendous amount of pressure 
and there's not many people out there wired to do that. Your favorite players might not be wired to do that, but they might have the drug that made them wired to do that. You don't know. You don't know what people like when I was being when I got offered that drug, none of my teammates knew. You know, none of that. You know, and if I took it and all of a sudden it's fixed, be like, yeah, well, you know what? I was closing off my front side. I was really open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you know? the, the pitching coach would be so quick to take credit for that. Oh yeah, it wasn't hydroxychloroquine. You know, that's but I'm taking <laughs> yeah, twice a day the daily. Side of the rubber. It was my idea. Yeah, yeah the right side of Fenway. It's a little depressed. Not a lot of people know that, but I have a good eye. So exactly, it's fucking, it's it's all a bunch of nonsense, but. People don't realize this is what it happens. And when, when us players say that you know, we feel like we're horses and when we go after this money, a lot of times people get upset at us and stuff like that because we have to play a game for a living. Motherfuckers, this isn't a game. When you're getting offered drugs to, yeah. get, to change yourself so that you can perform for you know, the guys in the owner's box, you know, that is a different level. <laughs> this is no longer a game. You know, when you're in rec ball at sixth grade, no one's offering you hydrozocosa porzazone <laughs> to see if you can, you know, if you can get that 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 forty mile an hour fastball you got over. People the hitting five hundred foot missiles at Little League World Series because <laughs> they <laughs> can't to look in old Timmy over here. He's <laughs> so locked in; it is unbelievable. We had a uh, when I was working in in for the Diamondbacks. One of our coaches, he was like obsessed with monster energy drinks. I, and like, I'm pretty sure that was the only thing he drank. Uh, like if he had frosted wheats for in the morning, he'd pour monster energy drinks in it. And ever, apparently every year, every year, he had this like monster energy, like toast with the team where it was like his big thing. We're undefeated when we do this. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and and he's like, talk to me about it. And he's like, what do you think about this? And I was like, it was described, the way it was described was, Every, we, I buy every everybody on the team a monster and we chug it right before the game. He's like, Sean, he's like, Sean, what do you think about this? And I was like, I think this is an egregious violation <laughs> of strength and conditioning. And uh, and I was just like, fuck it, like whatever, like this guy's just gonna do it. I'm, I don't, we have whatever. It's 162 games. Let's see what happens. Uh, so he calls everybody into his office and he just starts unloading like these full like tall boy monsters on the on the squad and you can see like some of the guys are like hyped about it and then there's like a couple that are skeptical and then you got the people who are like undrafted free agents and they're just like well i guess i'm doing this <laughs> <laughs> and uh and you know his coach gives some speech or whatever and then they cheers and then they down it and our starting pitcher that day i'll never forget his name is nick baker which is a great guy he, he's obviously he's not playing anymore but uh, and he was a great pitcher at that level. Like played, he was really, really good. And he was around the minors for a while, but he was just like a chill dude from like California. And you remember the episode of the office when, when Michael like eats like a, like a, like an entire, <laughs> entire yes. like ice cream sundae or something. And he's like, he's like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to rearrange the, office. we're going to rearrange the office. It, we're going to put it, the, isn't it the, isn't it the, the, the pretzel day? Isn't he yes, yes, he got the everything pretzel. He got yes. the everything the pretzel. The works. <laughs> the works. And, uh, and he just starts going nuts. This is what this guy was like inside the dugout in between. <laughs> in between. The, like most pitch, most pitchers are are like just like sit down in between <laughs> in between innings and they like just watch like a jacket on their arm or something. And this guy was going up. He's like, hey, what are we going to do here in the three hole? Are you going to be looking at the three hole? I don't know. This guy's been throwing a lot of strikes out there. But I don't know. There's a little that outside. Hey, make sure you focus when you go out there. And he's like pacing throughout the dugout. In the fifth inning, he threw up on the mound. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, another and, one. Hold on. Before you get in further, another one in the office. When, uh, when, they, when the, fam- the, the guys have got an espresso machine, and they're like, there's oh, yes, hardwood yes, floors under the here. carpet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> so fifth inning, this guy vomits on the mound. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we, ended up, we ended up losing the game like 16 to 2. <laughs> and, and coach goes, coach at the end of the game goes, he said, I can't believe that didn't work. <laughs> he's, like, he's, like, he's like, the guys had so much energy. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I, think, I think we missed a couple. I think we skipped a couple steps here. <laughs> or skip. Uh, and we didn't, we didn't do that the rest of the season. Dude, honestly. So it's funny you say that, too, because I got a story back when I was at Monmouth. Uh, my, there's in baseball, if you never played uh, college baseball, 
uh, they have what's called Scout Day, where uh, you know scouts are you know, are invited to show up to check out the team, see if there's anyone of interest. Now, going into my junior year after the Cape Cod League that summer, I was a highly touted prospect. You know, people were considering me a first, first, second round guy. So, you know, there was, every team was there. So it was a lot of teams, and I remember being like, I want to throw hard here. I want to show some guys like what I got. And so I, I got like. Um, I I was oh jacked three D. Do you remember that? Yes. Dude, that that shit was cocaine. It was liquid Uh, nitrogen. Yes. And they're I never so I'm not a pre workout guy. I'm a pretty high energy guy in the morning once I, you know, kind of you know, I like to have a cup of coffee, relax in my morning, and then I'm pretty good. Like I'm solid. Like I don't need and I don't need to get up for the gym. Like I'm getting in there, I'm fine. So but I saw they were like, dude, Pat, you gotta take this. I was like, I'll take it on scout day. Like I'm gonna see if I can like gas up you know a pitch and get up there, see if I can hit triple digits on scout days. I thought that'd be very helpful to me. So I take it. And back in my early days, when I was still in college and stuff like that, I used to do a long toss program prior to my start. <laughs> so I was a starting pitcher at the time. And I would throw like three hundred feet before my game. It was outrageous to do, but it would do that. And uh, I was starting that day, and so I I start my warm up routine, dude. I get out to like three hundred or something like that. And at Monmouth <laughs> University, Sean will know this, but I'll explain it for the people at home that don't know Monmouth. So Monmouth University's baseball field is surrounded by a parking lot, and so it's not very far from the parking lot. And I'm I'm throwing baseballs. It's a commuter school too, so the parking lot is mobbed. But I'm throwing baseballs, and I am. <laughs> Launching them into the parking lot, like I'm throwing them like 350, and like everyone's wide. Like, dude, what is going on with Pat right now? (laughs) I come in, and my pitching coach, Jim Bellinger, he's now the pitching coach, I think, at Florida State or Clemson, I think Clemson, and he goes, Pat, what the fuck is going on? And I go, Jim, I took that jacked stuff. I can't relax. <laughs> the scouts are in the stands, like, holy mother of God. <laughs> Honestly, looking back, like, what? I didn't need to be, I didn't need Jack that day. I mean, I had 30 scouts watching me. That's going to jack me up at yeah. all, you know, and plenty. But I couldn't relax. I get out there and I actually threw 99 <laughs> miles an hour for the first time in my career. Um, funny enough, that 99 mile an hour fastball was a liner back at my face by John Guida, who now works for ADP. Uh, you know, he wasn't able to translate that 99-hour liner back up my face uh, into, a, into a baseball career. But it was so funny doing that. I remember throwing, I remember throwing the ball and being like, oh, okay, feeling good. And then the catcher would just be like watching it sail over his head into the parking lot. I'd be like, okay, okay, a little bit too far, a little bit too far. <laughs> but it was – oh, that stuff, geez. man, I mean, you're talking about – like I said, when you're talking about like these drugs that people take to be good – like it is not a game anymore, folks. This is real life, real problems, and you just don't know what people are doing in the baseball. At least in, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure in all walks of life. I mean, you talk about in the financial sector of the world. Uh, you know, apparently that's huge, you know, big cocaine industry. And based off of you know, honestly, the people I've seen out in some of these bars in New York City that are fi die guys and all that, they you know, certainly hold up that uh, that stuff. Have you ever seen the Wolf of Wall Street? That certainly hold, holds up as well. But Bringing this back full circle, Sean, anxiety and all of this that goes into this and why probably people oftentimes do these drugs to begin with, you know, <laughs> goes back to interest rates. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. none of this would happen if the Fed was had to control the damn interest rates. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was actually funny. You ever see that TikTok? It's like um, it's a uh, – oof. It's a, it's a it's a guy it's a bunch of four guys in vans. I think it's from a movie. They might be making fun of like suicide bombers. I don't really know, uh, but that's what it kind of looks like. That's super racist. But based off of the based off of the the vibe of the video, it looks like that's what they're doing. Um, and in the newest one, the newest skit they have is the same same video. It's almost like like you know just for TikTok purposes. And they have like the three small banks that might be failing, and they're singing mm. "Dancing in the Moonlight" like super happy. And then oh, the driver yeah, is this. the Fed. Yeah, the driver's the Fed, and it's funny. But anyway, it is. It's you know, 
when you when you circle this all back, and I'm gonna figure I'm gonna figure out how to do this, Sean. When you circle this all back into interest rates, what the the business thought process right now is with all these banks crumbling, Sean. I got this. I I'm locked in for this. Wait for this. The business crumblings. A lot of people are concerned if the if the Fed doesn't do something and secure these these um, these uh, you know whatever these these checkings accounts and stuff like that that were in SVB, the deposits the deposits in SVB etc. If they don't, people are currently getting a little anxious. And <laughs> and no oh, no Sean, this is great. They're currently getting a little anxious. And they are may overreact to these to this news and be pulling money from other banks and financial institutions out of anxiety. And if they just did this breathing exercise, <laughs> our economy would stabilize and we'd all be good. So, guys at home, if you're considering taking money out of a bank because of the SVB and all of that. Do Try this improving your carbon dioxide resistance first, and you will be rich in five minutes. And, five, and you'll probably put more money in the bank because you're like, listen, who knows what's going to happen, but it's not worth the anxiety. And listen, my carbon dioxide um, resistance is through the roof right now, so no, there's no concerns over here. So that is how we just talked about baseball for 35 minutes, but also had... <laughs> Had a correlation between interest rates and anxiety, and how to how to how to do that, how to stop that stuff. So, well, I think I mean honestly, if you really want to talk about it, it really is it, it is kind of the same thing, right? Because the reason if you if you really start diving into the financial world and understanding how these markets are moving throughout the throughout the time, you understand that it's an emotionally charged situation, uh, whether it's a big mutual fund or the, the cost, of, uh, the, the price, the current price of a stock, like everything is moving based on the emotions of, of people. And the reason, like when I, when I read Ray Dalio's book on the history of economics and uh, why the Fed raises interest rates and why, uh, you know, why they print money, all of these things is a result, literally, it is a result of the inability for anybody to control their emotions. The people that control their emotions are the people that are able to leverage this system for wealth. And the vast majority of the people are incapable of dealing with their emotions. They just go with them. They don't push past that threshold to find themselves on the other side of it where things are a lot easier and a lot more, uh, a lot more you know, fruitful. And if you correlate that to baseball, it's the same exact thing where it's like you're out there, you have a hard time dealing with the emotions. So the baseball side of it doesn't work, doesn't doesn't work out. So they offer you drugs, they offer you this, they offer you that, you know, they're, you know, at these financial places, like there's a culture of these drugs and stuff to deal with the emotional struggles of the day to, to deal with the emotional struggles of your of your life, like the people at nine to fives and secretaries and accountants that are doing the same thing, just not with steroids or with you know whatever hydro cortiballs uh it's you know they're doing it with you know anxiety medication or antidepressants and things like that so this stuff is happening all over the place and what what we're seeing we extrapolated is that the ability to handle your emotions and understand it whether it's through this breathing mechanism or otherwise that is in fact the recipe for success in likely whatever it is that you're going for so I will I will leave got everyone with this because I think it's uh, something that I've heard a lot, and I think it's a good way to kind of put the cherry on top of this podcast. Is I recently sat down with a guy in the far in the pharmacy business, and it ju- it'll go to show you how how prevalent drugs are in our world without even really knowing it because. You might think you're the only one. You might think you you don't do it, so you, and you don't think you know anybody that does this stuff. So you don't think not, that can't be that prevalent, right? There's a guy. He owns a small town pharmacy, and I'm not gonna give you the town or anything like that because I don't want to blow up the guy's spot. But uh, he's a small town pharmacy, and not a CVS, not a Walgreens, just a, a small town place. And he told me that this little small town pharmacy in a town of let's say. 40,000 people, 30, 35,000 maybe, 30,000, I don't know how many people are in this town, but in that ballpark, in a small town, is doing $40 million a year. And 
when you think about that, I immediately wanted to sell all my bars and get in the pharmacy business because you're, te- you know, he's talking about the margins he's got, all that stuff. But we won't, that's neither here nor there. But it sh- goes to show you just how prevalent drugs are, not just for needs of as far as like staying in, you know, let's say you have a disease or anything like that, you know, what you something that might be prescribed to you out of necessity. It's, you know, there's a lot. He told me that, you know, he had a pharmacy one time in a, in a town similar to Hoboken. And like the top, the top drug was, was birth control, birth control and plan B. Hmm. Like that's what they sold the most of. Interesting. And you're like, you're, you're sitting there thinking that all these pharmacies are selling the majority is, you know, people with cancer or, you know, stuff like that. Like people constantly, you know, need or just sick and you cold medication, stuff like that. Nope. Plan B, birth control. Uh, we sell that I guess more that's, than. Those are subscription. Well, plan B, hopefully, is not a subscription, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. birth control is. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you have a subscription <laughs> to plan B, you, my friend, need to take you know, a little bit of reading. You need to do some breathing exercises. Yeah, maybe just go on birth control, or if you're yeah. a guy with, pl- with a plan B sub- subscription, <laughs> pull it back exactly. a little bit, right? Pull it back a little bit. But. Uh, it is it just again. It goes to show you a little bit of insight into that world and what. And again, I've repeated myself, but how prevalent this type of stuff is in the world. And it's no different in in professional sports. Like I, I, I gave you a couple stories. Sean probably has some stories he's not allowed to tell you, but it, it, it goes into the the financial district. It goes into probably so almost every walk of life, because people a lot of times are not built for certain things that they're doing, and they get anxiety. They don't know how to handle it. And, you know, the wheels fall off, right? That's how the yips happen. I tell everyone uh, the story of how I didn't really ever see the yips until college. And then I saw it a ton in pro ball. And it's like, well, that, can't be a, that can't be a coincidence. It's got to be because there's more pressure. The more pressure starts mounting, the less people can handle it. And, like, you know, no one got the yips in fifth grade. They just sucked at baseball, you know? So it's just different. But this stuff is everywhere. And, uh, you know, you learn a little bit more about the science behind it. You start talking to people that like Sean that might know, you know, some tricks to the trade to kind of get you uh, in a little bit better of a position to be able to handle these types of things. And, you know, maybe the pharmaceutical industry and my buddy might make less money. But uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. I think. Yeah, yeah, based off his numbers, he doesn't need to work ever again in his life. Um, but thanks, thanks for tuning in, guys. Another another fantastic episode. One of our better ones. I think I thought so. And um you know, have a great weekend, and we will see you guys next Thursday again. Happy trails, Miranda! Our la, uh, you know, we're getting down to our last shows here with Miranda, and uh, you know, as she moves on to uh, you know, bigger and better things over ESPN. Although she's been at ESPN, but you know, the the job seems to be growing for her, which is great news for her. And uh, happy trails to her. So, guys, enjoy your weekend, uh, and we will see you next Thursday, ten thirty a.m. sharp, as always, on Twitter Spaces. And if you're listening at home every Friday morning, the the show will be dropped. So, enjoy the weekend, guys. Talk to you soon. Sorry, we're closed. <laughs>